Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and Tell. Well, good morning, everybody. It's always a delight to worship with you. Um, want to take a, just a few moments to talk about our life together as a church family and the things that are going on in our church family. The first thing that I want to remind you of is that we have a concert here on Friday featuring Sky Peterson, daughter of Andrew Peterson. Super excited about that. Tickets are only five bucks. You can check out that online. There's a QR code as well. More information in the back. Secondly, we have a new Heart to Heart group. Uh, Heart to Heart is small groups that meet midweek to support various needs. And we're beginning launching a new cancer support group. Um, All those who have cancer or family or experiencing cancer, survivors or campers, cancer, just for ongoing support and encouragement. You can get more information about that at uh, fbcsa.org slash heart to heart. Area Fellowship is coming quickly in October. Area Fellowship are groups that meet together kind of by zip code. And it is an awesome time of dinner, fellowship, and talking about the Word of God. If you've never experienced Area Fellowship, strongly encourage you to do so. We love it as a family to be a part of that. You can get more information about that online as well. Picnic tickets, our annual church family picnic is coming up in October too, and you can get information about that. And actually, you can buy tickets and pick up tickets today in Unity Hall over the next few weeks. Well, let me officially welcome you to Logos Worship. My name is Danny. I'm one of the pastors here on the staff. Have have the privilege of preaching in this space every week. And so if you're new with us today, thank you so much for joining us for worship. We know it's no small thing. We would love to have a record of your time with us today. So if you could do that, you can do it actually right on your device. Um, You can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash connect. Just a simple way to say, hey, I was here. And it gives us an opportunity to connect connect with you at a later time. Our mission as a church family is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with him. That's not something that just we as individuals do alone, but God has called us to be a church family, that we do that together. We grow up in Jesus together. We join in God's mission together. And we wanna get better at that every day, every week, and every year. And we need each other and the giftedness of the Spirit of God to make that more of a reality in our life. And to further that mission, we ask you to continue to give through this church family. You can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash give. Let's pray together. Father, we, we need one another, but we also need your word. And so Father, as we receive your word today, as we pray every week, Lord, help us to see, help us to hear, and give us feet to put your word into practice in our own heart and mind and life. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. 
Well, this morning, we're gonna consider five reasons legalism is a really, really bad idea. Uh, We've been in Galatians for four weeks now where Paul is going to task against this distortion of the gospel, which we're just gonna label what it is. It's legalism. Now, so what is legalism? Uh, Legalism is the belief that salvation and our spiritual growth is determined by what we do or what we don't do. There was a, a group of supposed Christians from the church in Jerusalem who were really interested about what was happening in the Gentile world, those who were not Jews who were coming to faith. And they began to teach that in order to be a child of God, to enter the kingdom of God, you had to have Jesus plus. And for them, it was Jesus plus the requirements of the Jewish law. It was Jesus plus circumcision. It was Jesus plus all the other traditions and important cultural distinctives of the Jewish faith. It was Jesus plus, and that is legalism. That you, your relationship with God is determined not just by Jesus alone, but by what you do or don't do. As opposed to, as opposed to what Paul is trying to protect that truth of the gospel that, that entrusting all of your salvation and spiritual growth in Jesus alone, entrusting it to a person and his work, not our work. Jesus, Jesus would call this faith. In fact, Paul in Romans chapter one, verse 17, he quotes a verse from the Old Testament that says, the righteous live by faith for all time. That's how someone would enter in a relationship with God, would by entrusting all of who they were to a person. In this case, it's the revelation of Jesus, the Son of God. And Paul is protecting that. That's in contrast to legalism, which says that you need to do a certain thing or a certain number of things. Paul says, no, it's in faith alone. And we believe, and Paul teaches in Galatians, that trusting in Jesus, the person, sets you free sets you free. You know, forgiveness, you experience real life, begin to experience what it means to be made in God's image, it sets you free. But the reality is, is all of us lean towards legalism. All of us lean towards legalism. It's like our default setting. Do you wanna know why? Now, I don't wanna be a downer this morning, but we are all sinful self-reliant, judgmental jerks. I mean, we are self-absorbed people. And we can lean towards legalism. And we all become experts of finding ways to prejudice one another. She hasn't done that. I've done that. She's not doing this. He's not doing this. He looks a certain way. We all begin to measure one another. We're really good at that because we're sinful people. And Paul, the whole point of this letter to these groups of churches in Galatia is don't do it. Don't live that way. Don't go there. The risks are too great and there is zero reward. In fact, you give up hope for true freedom in exchange for a life of shame, fear, and pride. All leads to the same place. So I wanna work through this passage with you to identify Five reasons 
legalism is a really, really bad idea. So let's start just in verse 11 of chapter two. A really fascinating encounter between Paul and Peter. It says this, Paul says, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Jesus plus. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. What a confrontation. We have this image of Peter, Barnabas, and Paul, and these Gentile believers, this church, maybe where they were in a home, having dinner together, just hanging out, fellowshipping, enjoying each other's fellowship. And you had Three Jewish men among Gentile believers united in Jesus. And then you have this small delegation from the church. And just because it says James Church doesn't mean James like is fully endorsing this message. In fact, we know that he's not. He's not endorsing Jesus plus. But you have this small delegation. As soon as they show up on the scene, Peter's like, You know, I need to pull myself away from the Gentiles because the expectations of this delegation from Jerusalem is that I don't hang out with Gentile believers unless they are circumcised. And he separates, even Barnabas. And so you have these Jewish delegation and Peter and Barnabas on one side of the room and you have Paul and these Gentile believers on the other side of the room. This leads us to our first reason to avoid legalism. Legalism always, always separates, never unifies. Legalism never brings people together. It always separates uh, people. Peter's momentary legalistic position resulted in immediate separation, withdrawal. And they were united in Jesus. And separation, by the way, is not God's vision for the kingdom. It's not God's vision for the kingdom. The vision for the kingdom of God is people from all nations, different cultural backgrounds and and looks and skin colors all coming together in Jesus. And that was the exact opposite of what was happening. They were separated, not God's kingdom vision at all. Paul even told Peter, he says, Peter, you know better You know better. You know that you are saved by faith alone in Jesus, not by the works of the law. Why are you doing this? Legalism is a very sneaky thing. It can happen to the best of us because we all kind of default to legalism. I mean, Peter's us. 
In any given moment, we can look at a list of do's and don'ts and measure each other against those things rather than looking to Jesus and what unifies us in Christ. Legalism is a sneaky, sneaky thing. Legalism never brings people together because we're way too busy sizing each other up. They don't have this. They haven't done that. The second thing or second reason that we should never give in to legalism is because legalism has saved no one ever. Obeying the law or measuring your righteousness by the works of the law has never saved anyone. Verse 16, the end of verse 16, Paul writes, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Not just now, but for all time. In fact, he's gonna support that later in chapter three. There's never been a time in human history when observing a list of do's and don'ts made you right with God. It's always been about faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And that was Paul's experience. Remember back in Romans chapter 17 where he says, listen, the things I don't wanna do, I end up doing. The things I do or or wanna do, I don't do. The law never gave life to Paul. It always condemned him. And that's why he said, I, but glory be to Christ. Because it's in Christ and the work that Christ has done that we find justification or being made right with God. Legalism has saved no one ever. In fact, I think it's important for us to note this. It's not just because we can't do the list. But even when we get portions of the list right, it's a mess. I mean, what does Isaiah say in Isaiah 64, 6? It says, we're all infected and impure with sin. When we display, when we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. I mean, even when we get things right, they're filthy rags. There's no part of our walk and journey in this life that we can lift up and say, look what I've done, Lord, isn't it good? All of it needs to be redeemed. All of it. John Gerstner, um, a well-known theologian and church historian says this, there is nothing that separates us from God more than our damnable good works. Think about that even when we try to hold up the good things that we've done, apart from Christ, they're not worth all that that much. Not to mention when we hold on to legalism, a list of do's and don'ts, we're held captive by either shame or pride. I'm just not good enough. I'm always falling short. Or look what I've done. And both of them kill, leave you condemned. That's what Paul says. The law condemns you. The third thing, the third thing that legalism demonstrates that legalism is a really, really bad idea. Legalism is a reflection of our sinfulness, not righteousness. In Galatians chapter 17 through 19, it says this, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we abandon the law. So this was the rebuttal from this delegation from Jerusalem. Well, Paul, what you're saying is if they don't have to do the law, you're just throwing them in wanton sin. They don't have a standard by which to live. They're just gonna live just as sinful as they want. They've got Jesus. It's all they need. 
All they need is forgiveness. He's forgiven everything. Just so Paul says, no, that's not the case at all. In fact, legalism is, is a reflection of our sinfulness rather than righteous. Obeying a list of do's and don'ts doesn't make us righteous. It exposes our sinfulness. He says, no way. In fact, he says, if you rebuild that system, a list of do's and don'ts, it makes you more of a sinner, not less. Why? Because legalism always exalts self. Legalism always is a supposed demonstration of self-reliance. And Paul says, that's sin. That's not righteousness. It's sinfulness. I mean, who needs Jesus if you can just work really hard? He says, that's, that's more sinful, not less sinful. And the end result of that kind of living and legalism, again, is condemnation. And back to the first point, separation. Not living for God. That's the other thing he says. If, if, if we are legalistic, I'm not free to live for God. That's in verse 19. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements. Why? So that I might live for God. In order for him to live for God, he had to walk away from the requirements of the law as an expectation for righteousness or salvation. He no longer was looking to the law. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul abandoned his Jewish tradition and faith practices. No, he very much, he still went to synagogue. He still went through those traditions that were very dear to him, but he no longer looked to those things to make him right with God. He said, I had to walk away from that in order to live for God in freedom, freely. Fourthly, Legalism robs me of knowing God's grace in Jesus. Verses 20 and 21. My old self has been crucified with Christ. These are some of the most poignant verses that Paul has written. And he's written a lot of poignant verses, but many of us have these memorized. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless for if keeping the law could make us right with God then there was no need for Christ to die. He's made that point several times now. Legalism robs us of knowing God's grace. If, if Paul had held on to a list of requirements and looked to those things to secure a right relationship with God, he would not have known God's grace, only condemnation. Paul acknowledges that the old Paul had to go. When he says that phrase, my old self has been crucified with Christ, Paul acknowledges that the old Paul had to go. The Paul that couldn't muster, the Paul that was a sinner and sinful, the one that who couldn't achieve the requirements of the law and all that they demanded. That Paul had to be put to death. He could only ever be the Paul that God designed him to be, which is free and at peace with God and with others if someone else could step in on his behalf, Jesus. If someone else could do the work that he couldn't do, if someone else could fulfill the requirements of the law, he had to hand that over, put his old self to death 
and hand over his life to someone brand new in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is the most beautiful picture of the gospel that Paul paints for us. That Jesus, God's son, enters the scene. He enters all of creation and he lives a life fully loving his father and fully loving his neighbor as himself, fully living out every kingdom requirement, value, and goal. And he resists every temptation along the way just to live for himself. He resists every temptation to be claimed by the world's philosophies, demands, and values. And for that resistance of the world, he is crucified. Because the kingdom of the world, the one that you and I are part of, hates the kingdom of God and hated Jesus and all of his ways. But what the world didn't know But what the world didn't know is that he was willing to give himself up so that he would bear the full brunt of God's wrath against our sinful, rebellious, self-reliant, God-rejecting ways. And when Paul encounters that Jesus on the road to Damascus, he then sets his sights not on what he could do by obeying the law, but what Christ has done in his life, death, and resurrection. And he puts to death that old self-reliant, self-exalting Paul. Paul is crucified with Christ. And he no longer lives. The new Paul is given new life. And Jesus begins a lifelong journey of restoring Paul from his addiction to self-reliance. That's what Paul needed. And that's grace. It's grace for Jesus through who he is and his work and resurrection to offer Paul his work, his life to Paul so that he could be called a child of God. Uh, Recently, I've been watching reels on Facebook. I know y'all are like, Danny watches reels on Facebook. Uh, I've been watching some reels on Facebook. It's about Jack. Now, Jack's account, I think he shares it with his dad. It's called Speed Bump Garage. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. So Jack, the son, um, his dad owns a shop, a mechanic shop, and kind of this salvage yard. And um, his dad says, you can, you can go into the salvage yard and get any car you want. And so Jack, the son, finds this dilapidated, rusted out, unsalvageable, decrepit, going nowhere car. And each reel is just him spending time fixing up the car, adding new parts, taking things away, putting new things in, new paint, new wheels. He gets the engine going. And the final reel is him actually being able to drive this fully restored car. When we resist the grace of God in Jesus, when we say, you know, I'm better off just being self-reliant, doing the Jesus plus, looking to a list of requirements, working it out on my own, it's just as saying to Jack the son, I'm better off just staying in the junkyard. We have to have the son to rescue us out 
of the junkyard of a decrepit, condemned, dying life that could never at any point muster on its own. And the son goes to work. And that's grace. The work of Jesus is a work of grace in our life. And we need it. And if we insist on legalism, we miss God's grace. And grace is letting the son do all the work. Lastly, legalism robs us of real freedom. In these same verses, look what Paul says. My old self has been crucified with Christ. That old Paul, that old Danny, fill your name in the blank. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Freedom. Paul is saying, when we trust a person, Jesus, when we yield to his work and his grace in our life, it's no longer me and my decrepit ways, but it's the life of Jesus that's now lived in me. It's his righteousness. And it's the work of his spirit that tinkers me along the way, that makes me more and more like the sun so that I can know what real freedom is all about. So it's not bad enough that that legalism robs us of grace, but it destroys any hope of real freedom. It enslaves us to fear and shame or pride. Again, all of those lead to condemnation and death. You know, real freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want. That might be what the philosophers might define as freedom. Freedom is not just the ability to do whatever you want at any given time. Freedom is experiencing all that God intended for you as a human being. Freedom is experiencing humanity, perhaps in greater degrees for the very first time. It's it's peace with God. It's, It's embracing the wisdom and ways of God. And we receive that, not because we can work it out on our own, but because of the grace that we have in Jesus, Christ in me. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Freedom. We don't know how to live in freedom, looking to Jesus, our author and perfecter of faith, if we hold on to legalism. George Whitfield, the famous 18th century preacher, the one that marveled Ben Franklin, says this. Before you can speak peace in your heart, you must not only be made sick of your original and actual sin, that's the sin we've inherited from Adam and the sin that you do day to day, but you must also be made sick of your righteousness, all of your duties, and performances. There must be a deep conviction before you can be brought out of your self-righteousness, legalism. It is the last idol taken out of our heart. The pride of our heart will not let us submit to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, 
But if you've never felt that you had had no righteousness of your own, if you've never felt the deficiency of your own righteousness, you cannot come to Jesus Christ. If you are not thus brought out of self, self-reliance, you may speak peace to yourselves, but yet there is no peace. Brothers and sisters, the path to freedom and joy in all of life, the path to peace and connection is trusting a person, looking to him alone, not to a list of do's and don'ts, and certainly not measuring each other by a list of do's and don'ts. Legalism says, you must do. Jesus says, trust me in what I've done. Legalism says, you're a failure. Or maybe it says sometimes you're enough. Jesus says, you're forgiven. Legalism says, you won't ever get it right. Or maybe it will say, you're just fine. Jesus says, I'm gonna help you along the way. Legalism says, until you get it right, we can't be together. Jesus says, we are in this journey together. Can I ask you a personal question? Has Jesus the person set you free? When you think about your life with God, is it defined by a list of do's and don'ts? Or do you trust a person? Jesus. Jesus has set us free. And he sets us free from condemnation. And he sets us free to really live. Are you trusting in Christ alone? Let's pray. Father, we all know that legalism is a really bad idea. Lord, I pray for the one or two in this room today that um, has put their hope in their own ability, their own work, a list. Lord, I pray that they turn from that and set their sights on your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that they trust the son to pull them out of that junkyard of rebellion and self-reliance and give them new life and freedom. And for those of us who are believers, Lord, who sometimes yield to, to legalism and prejudice and measuring ourselves against others, Lord, we repent of that. Lord, may we be a church that looks to your son alone. And may we serve him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen.